This is Nachyomi, Sefer Shmuel Aleph, Perek Yud Aleph. This series has been generously sponsored by Mr. Ariel Kalati and family in memory of Dorina Kalati, Zichona Levacha, as well as by Charlotte Cheverdi for the continued success and growth of Yeshivat Deavaskel. Perek Yud Aleph. Vayal Nachash Ha'amoni. Vayichan al Yavesh Gilad. Vayomeru kol anshe Yavesh el Nachash. Kerodlanu verit ben Avdeka. So we learned in the previous chapter that Shaul is now the king, but hasn't really done anything to earn the respect or the uh, admiration or even necessarily the trust of the people. Suddenly a crisis emerges. Nachash Amoni, who was a king of Ammon, lays siege to Yavesh Gilad and threatens them uh, with war. And the people of Anshe Gil, uh, Yavesh Gilad are willing to, uh, are, are willing to uh, make a covenant, make a treaty, even to subordinate themselves, to enslave themselves to Nachash in exchange for not being slaughtered in war. But Nachash Amoni said to them, I'll make a deal with you. If you pluck out your right eye. If everyone plucks out the right eye and gives it to me, then I'll make a deal with you. And I will make it a, uh, an embarrassment uh, and, a, uh, and a shame upon all of Israel. In other words, the idea is that, uh, that Nachash is saying to them, basically there will be, they offer to become his slaves and he's, uh, he's basically uh, saying, okay, pluck out your right eye. That's a sh- I brand you as my slaves. Clearly, they're not going to do that. So now they're in a, a, a in a very difficult position because they're being threatened existentially, and uh, there's no deal to be had. There's no diplomacy. Obviously, the idea of everyone plucking out their right eye is not a uh, is not a true possibility. Is not a real option. And so the people of Anche, uh, the people of Yavish Gilad are now uh, finding themselves in uh, in trouble. And the elders of Yavish said, "Give us seven days to respond." We will then, and, and they plan to send uh, messengers throughout all of the borders of Israel. If nobody comes to save us, then we're going to fight you ourselves. In other words, they, they, somehow they brokered a deal, a ceasefire for seven days. These messengers came to Shaul. And they spoke the words in the ears of the people. Everybody raised their voices and cried. Now, it seems like Nachash was doing this in purpose as a matter of incitement because there was, a, there was friction historically between the people of Yavesh Gilad and the rest of the Jewish nation ever since the end of the book of Shoftim and the story of Pilegish Begiv'ah, which the, in, uh, there are many parallels actually in this story to the story of Pilegish Begiv'ah. Just to review, the story of Pilegish Begiv'ah was a terrible story towards the end of the book of Shoftim where a man who's traveling with his concubine um, comes to an area in the tribe of, in the territory of Binyamin and they are attacked almost exactly in the same fashion as the angels are attacked in Lot's house by the people of the city who want to assault the visitor. The concubine is taken by the angry mob, is assaulted and killed and, uh, in the course of the assault. And eventually the husband of this concubine basically rallies the entire Jewish people by cutting up her flesh and sending it to each of the 12 tribes of Israel and saying, this is what happened, this horrible injustice, this evil is happening in our midst, we have to do something about it. He rallied the entire Jewish people 
around the cause of punishing Binyamin. Binyamin would not hand over the perpetrators, so a civil war ensued. It was very terrible. Many people were lost on both sides. Eventually, almost the entire tribe of Binyamin was eliminated, was wiped out. But there was one group that did not join the war effort, and that was the people of Yavish Gilad. And as a result, the men of Yavish Gilad were executed and their wives taken to repopulate the tribe of Binyamin that had been decimated as a result of the war. And also because that all of the Jewish, all the nation, the entire nation, all the other tribes had made an oath that they would not allow their daughters to marry anyone from Binyamin as a punishment to Binyamin. So they ended up taking wives from Yavesh Gilad, claiming that the fact that they refused to come to the war made them culpable as well and made them worthy of death. So there was a lot of friction between Yavesh Gilad and the rest of the Jewish people. There was also a lot of friction between Binyamin and the rest of the Jewish people because of that, because of that civil war. And you can imagine even some friction between Binyamin and Yavesh Gilad because after all, it was the actions of the tribe of Binyamin and Yavesh Gilad's refusal to participate in the uh, retribution against them that cost, uh, you know, cost so much uh, uh, to the people of uh, Yavesh Gilad, meaning it cost them so many lives and uh, caused a lot of destruction for them. So there was a lot of friction here and a lot of difficulty. And it could be that Nechash Amoni was targeting Yavish Gilad because he knew that they were vulnerable. And this would be the ultimate test. Would a king, a newly minted king, uh, be able to uh, rally the Jewish people around the cause of saving such a uh, dis- three previously despised group of people? And not only that, Shaul being from the tribe of Binyamin, will they really trust him? Will they really put their faith in him? Will they really allow themselves to be directed by somebody from Binyamin after all of the history of that tribe and its failings? And all, in other words, Nachash in, in Amoni really is targeting an Achilles heel, as it were, a vulnerability of this new coalition, of this new government, because, that, because by targeting Yavish Gilad, he's bringing up all of the memories of the issues with tribe of, the tribe of Binyamin and the issues with Yavish Gilad and so on, and to see if, there, if this is really going to hold or if this is a possibility basically to test like we talk about today, governments being tested, coalitions being tested, whether they'll be able to uh, withstand a certain crisis. Will, he be, will his coalition, will his new found position of leadership be able to stand the test of this, uh, of this threat? And so it could be that because of that, that might be why Nachash allowed them to summon Shaul, because probably that was exactly what they were, he was hoping the people of Yavish Gilad would do, either because he was probably planning on that, causing an internal strife and a breakdown and enabling him to make inroads into Israel uh, because he thought that that would create inner, internal conflict for the Jews over the issue of whether to defend the Yavesh Gilad or not and what the status of the tribe of Binyamin was relative to Yavesh Gilad and all of this uh, political and social baggage and psychological baggage that they carried for, uh, carry into this conflict. So, um, so they go and they summon Shaul. Shaul came from after the Bakar, he was out tending the cattle in the field because really, as a king, he didn't really have anything to do yet. He, he was chosen as king, he was anointed as king, but he wasn't really doing anything yet. Why are the people crying? So Shaul wasn't originally reported to. This was reported to everybody else in the area, but not to him yet. He heard. So suddenly he was inspired similarly this is similar to the way in which the husband of the concubine who was murdered in Giv'ah was also uh, inspired. When he was, he was moved by what he heard. He became very angry. He took a pair of oxen and cut them up. He sent it to the entire, uh, throughout all of Israel, saying, 
with messengers saying, anybody who doesn't go out after Shaul and Shmuel, this is what we're going to do to his animals. In other words, we're going to slaughter your animals if you don't come. Fear of God fell upon the people. And they went out as one person. And it's very noteworthy that Shaul mentions Shmuel. In other words, he understands at this stage of the game that the position of the king is to be a partner with the Navi, not to be against the Navi, not to be independent of the Navi, not to be, uh, uh, you know, but to be someone who is partners with, who, who takes care of the political side, while the Navi takes care of the spiritual side, the vision and the values come from the Navi. This is a partnership. And they're doing it together. They ended up with 330,000 soldiers. He, he, according to the rabbis, Bazek isn't talking about a place, but it's talking about rocks or it's talking about pieces of pottery that he used to count the soldiers because normally we're not supposed to count Jews. We're not supposed to count uh, uh, individual Jews, of course, as we know. Now, uh, there were thir- 330,000. So the, he, the, he sa- they said tell the, to the messengers, go tell this to the people of Yveshkilad. Tomorrow. At the heat of the sun, you will have salvation. In other words, we're coming to save you. When they were very happy, the people of Yavish Gilad were very happy that they were going to get this back up. And they had passed the test of unity here. So the men of Yavish told Nachash, tomorrow we're going to come to you. And you can do whatever you want to us. In other words, they were deliberately vague. It sounded like they could be coming to surrender. So we, they didn't tell them what their exact plan was. They didn't tell them that the rest of the Jewish people were going to be galvanized behind them and organized behind them. They said, we're coming tomorrow. The next day, so Shaul, in a typical, in typical military, biblical military fashion, splits up the camp into three different groups. And they come into the, at the break of dawn, they come out. And they struck Ammon until the heat of the day, which is usually around noon. The people who were left ran away. There were not two Ammonim together. In other words, they all dispersed. The people said to Shmuel, Who was the one who questioned whether Shaul would be a leader over us? Give us those people, we want to kill them. Nobody is going to die today, said Shaul. Because Hashem today has made salvation in Israel. So again, he saw his salvation in war 100% as being a result of Hashem. That again comes from the fact that he is a Talmud. He still sees himself as a Talmud, as an adherent, as a student of Shmuel. And it even says that when he said anybody who doesn't come out to this war with Shaul and Shmuel is going to have their animals slaughtered, it says fear of God fell upon the people. Because to them still at this point, Shaul represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu, represents Hashem and the will of Hashem. And you see that the people are going back in between talking to Shmuel and talking to Shaul. Shmuel said to the people, Gilgal, let us all go to Gilgal, we will renew the kingdom there, we'll renew the coronation there. So the people all went to Gilgal and they coronated Shaul there before Hashem in Gilgal and they offered Zvachim Shlamim, which are the type of korban that you can eat that are for celebration, that are for joy. And, and before Hashem, it emphasizes Lifnei Hashem. This was something that was understood as being before God and furthering the relationship of the Jewish people with God. And the people, Shaul and all the people celebrated very much. It's in Gilgal, which is very noteworthy also. Because Gilgal was the first place really that the Jewish people celebrated their first Pesach when they came to Eretz Yisrael. 
when they established their presence in Eretz Yisrael, it was the first holiday that they celebrated. It was in Gilgal, and uh, and that was a, uh, a significant moment of beginning for Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael. So again, we have a significant moment of beginning in Gilgal, taking us back, hearkening back to the times of Yoshua, where they had a gathering in Gilgal, that this is going to be the beginning of a new era. But the beauty of it is that at this point in the story, they wanted to renew the kingdom after the people saw that Shaul indeed could deliver, could fulfill the role of a true Jewish king who was strong enough and wise enough to have the tactical element of battle under control and be able to lead them into a successful military campaign, but at the same time had the proper attitude towards the Navi, towards the Prophet, as well as towards Hashem. So everything really started out on the right foot. And once the people saw that they were willing now to accept Shaul, not just because Hashem said so, not just because Shmuel said so, but because they saw his potential as a genuine leader, and that is the, the reason why they go to Gilgal to renew the kingship. We will see that of this idealistic, this very idyllic moment is not going to last, unfortunately, very long. But at this moment, it sounds like everything is, is beautiful. The king has the right relationship with the Navi, the right relationship with Hashem. The nation is unified. They've accepted a king that came from Binyamin, which was once the hated tribe. And they even were able to be moved to defend a group of people that were not moved to participate in military campaigns with the rest of the Jewish people in the past. So we really see that there is a new beginning here. There is a renewal of the sense of unity and purpose among the Jewish people.